audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we have a regular guest of ours who usually comes around about once a year. This is uh, Scotty Meads. Scotty Meads is a missionary in Thailand that we support as a church monthly. And so he's back in the States for a few weeks and uh, looked us up. And so it's always great to hear from him when he challenges us today to... uh, Learn how to communicate the gospel better to people outside of our own comfort zone or culture. So, instead of the talk, North Shore Vineyard, downtown Covington. Thanks for listening. newsletters and stuff there's a lot of stuff that I do that you won't see the reason is is because I work with people and I go to places that it's against the law to do what we do so a lot of the area I've been working in is Tibetan region of China and so I've been traveling through China in Tibetan areas or into Burma and it's just it's illegal what you do you can't do that and the people I work with I can't talk about them and I can't send pictures out of them because it, it jeopardizes them, some of these people, they could get killed or whatever. So, you know, we just don't really, I don't, I don't talk about it too much. So you just have to wait till we come around till we can actually say, oh, yeah, we've been doing this. So here, I got a few pictures just so you can see some of the people we work with. I also work with young uh, people coming into the mission and some older people that are new into missions and helping them to understand how to communicate the gospel uh, in a way that people can actually understand. And that's going to be our, actually our second part. Last year, about two years ago, we talked about, I think it was Acts chapter 15, verse 19, right? Uh, which says, we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And that actually means, it means idol worshipers because that's who the Gentiles were. They were idol worshipers. And we talked about what in the heck does it mean that we shouldn't make it hard for idol worshipers who want to get saved? Huh? You know? Like, where do you hear, who's going to go to an evangelism seminar, and at first they're going to they're gonna say, yes, we should make it easy for the heathens who want to get saved. Well, that's why, I mean, Paul was always talking about that stuff, and we're going to, and just to share with you about what we do, I'm going to continue from that a little bit out of Acts 17 today. But I, 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 I help many of our people who come from a more a Western, conservative, Christian uh, worldview and how to communicate the gospel to idol worshipers. Their worldview is like way different, man. They have a totally different kind of logic. They don't think like we do. They come up with different conclusions with the same information. You know, if you ever looked in the news and see people overseas doing weird stuff, and you're like, man, that's crazy. Huh? You ever seen that? You ever done that? That's crazy. Those people are crazy. Well, it's not crazy to them. It's very logical to them to do whatever they do. 
But for us, we need to be able to understand that because we'll say things to them and they'll think we're like lunatics if we don't know how to communicate. So I help people. I work with people through processes of how to communicate into another worldview. Uh, you can go ahead. <clears throat> so this is a Chinese group up in north. It's up in, right on the edge of the Tibetan plateau, northwest China, called Shining. And so it was crazy as we go to places like this. And I'm actually helped train Chinese nationals on reaching out to unreached people groups in China. They're very distant culturally. It's really weird. You think everybody's the same, but they're not at all. So these Chinese Christians have no idea how to reach out to Tibetans. So I work with people like this on the biblical process of communicating the gospel uh, extreme cross-culturally, which would be from Jewish to idol worshipers, the same as in the New Testament. So these guys, man, they're great. You know, I get to work with people like this, young Chinese people on fire for God, ready to do something great, you know. And then I'm helping working with them to get out into the field, into unreached areas where the gospels have never been before, into cultures that's very different even than to their own national Chinese culture, which is very secular. All right. So these are a bunch of great guys, all young people. You can go to the next slide. This is, I also work with uh, the underground church, and this was an underground church in Beijing. So it's funny, like, like the, the last slide, I, w- I was teaching for a whole week, two or three times a day, and almost every time we had to go meet in another location. And like, I couldn't like, I had to make sure I looked like a tourist. And so we would go to one place, and then uh, we would do our classes there, and then they'd say, okay, we're going to another part of town for the next class to another building, another house, this or that, because they can't, because if they get caught, they have been shut down before. Uh, They'll just shut them down. They'll uh, deport foreigners. You know what I mean? So they have to be really super careful. And so we just have to be real careful wherever we are. We can't cause a scene. We can't look crazy. (laughs) You know, I can't dress up in a suit and tie because that'd be, you know, it'd bring a lot of questions because there's cameras everywhere. It's, It's really strange. They have cameras on the street all over the place where people are watching you or what you're doing. So it's, you have to be real careful. So you just learn how to do that. This, they have so many cool people in this underground church and a lot of business people wanting to support missions and do support missions. These are Chinese business people. To go into missions themselves and have their business support them like this young couple and also to do that, plus have enough money to even support other missions. So I, I worked with these people in, out of Beijing, and underground, it's like these hidden churches, and they're full of great people. I mean, all the people are like professionals, business owners and professionals. So this couple, they have a shop in the Intel building downtown. They do pretty well. So their goal is to go to the Middle East as missionaries. Isn't that awesome? So what's cool is I get, I'm like the lucky guy. I get to help facilitate them understanding how to reach out to Muslims, how to go from their Chinese culture and to bring the gospel to a Muslim culture in the Middle East. So these guys are working to get their business to a place where they don't even have to be there anymore, but that it can support them. And not just them, but they also want to support other, help support other Chinese missionaries going into the Middle East. Isn't that cool? That's pretty, I think it is. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, well, I'm the lucky guy. I get to do this stuff. 
now I get to work with people like this. You can go to the next one. So actually their faces are, because they can't, I can't, for me to take a picture of them, they're very concerned. What are you going to do with this picture? You know, because if, if the government got wind of what they were doing, that would be it. They would shut their business down. Everything's gone. I mean, just like that. So they have to be super, super careful. This is in Indonesia, uh, working with a group of people in Indonesia, young people. And these guys are great. Most of these guys are all Muslim background. They all came out of Islam, and now they're all mission workers in their own country. And, and some of these guys have, like, movements going on. I'm not talking about a church. Movements of Muslim people coming to be followers of Jesus. It is very cool to see young people like this. And it's, because, and it's actually because of innovation, innovation that might seem really weird to us. So my friend started a discipleship school for Muslim people about Islam. He was looking for a strategy to get Muslim people to a place where they could actually share the gospel with them. So he started these community schools, Muslim schools, a discipleship program for Muslims about Islam. And they teach the prophets. One of the prophets is Jesus. And so they run these three-month schools locally, and people come in to these schools, and they help them understand the prophets and especially Jesus. And from that, many of them start following Jesus, and then they move on to another one that's all about following Jesus. And then most of these guys and a whole bunch of other ones they all came out of those training things. But, I mean, who would think of that, huh? Who would think about, hey, I'm a Christian guy, and I think I'm going to run a Muslim school. <laughs> eh? I mean, what church is going to support that anyway? Yes, we're supporting a uh, school about Islam for Muslim people. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it takes innovation. It takes people... Having to, like, okay, I got to shake off some of this uh, Western Christian culture when I'm overseas. Or, or, hey, even here. I'm going to tell you something about that in a minute. Even here. So that I can reach out to people so that they can understand what's going on. I got to have a gateway. I need a doorway. I need an entry. Where, who's going to do it? Huh? So what if it looks weird? If it sounds crazy? But this, this is sometimes this is what it takes. And this is the thing that I get, because we did crazy stuff, yes. We didn't start churches in India, we started temples. Why? Because nobody's going to go to a church. They ain't going to a church. That's that Christian stuff. We don't want that in our country. It's like, okay, well, well, let me help facilitate you guys starting temples. Ishubakta Bandir, followers of Jesus' temples. Guess what? They're not open on Sundays. They're open every day, 6 a.m. to 8, 8 p.m. Because that's the way they do things. We've got to be like them. We've got to change ourselves around. Help them worship the way that they like. They don't sing guitar music. They sing like this funny stuff. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. So I had to say, okay, I'm a guitar player. I had to say, okay, I got to put my guitar down and start going ding dong, ding dong. And like say, okay, I get it. I'm going to do that. All right. But then God can use that. I take a step and then God runs. He runs toward us. 
to meet us in what we're doing. And go ahead. Uh, oh, yeah, I love playing music, so I get to play music a lot. And <clears throat> it's been fun the last year and a half. I, I've led, I led worship for this and that, but I also play in, uh, in the pubs locally, and I get to play the blues, you know what I mean? I got this drummer friend from New Orleans, and so, and this other dude on the horn. So we play like New Orleans, we play Mardi Gras music. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fun, you know, it's great. We have a great time, we meet so many people. Recently, we got to play for the governor and the assist, assistant governor of our province, Chiang Mai province. So uh, they, they like blocked off a street in town and set up a stage and did all this stuff. And so we're up there playing, you know, it takes a cool cat to blow the horn on canal and rent. We were always singing Mardi Gras Mambo, you know, to the, to the governor. And the governor's like, Asian second line, yeah. Come on now. All right, let's keep going. I don't know what the end is here, but we'll see. Oh, that's the end of it? Okay, you can turn it off. Yes, I'm very prepared. I know every detail of what's going to happen today. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, let me sign in. All right, so, Heather's brother, not, not, not this crazy looking guy, but <laughs> the other crazy looking guy, he's in Texas and he's a youth pastor at a church. And so, uh, about two years ago, they were having a youth service and you know, like, what do you, it's a big old church. You know, they usually have a hundred or so kids on youth and so they were, they were having their youth service one night, and they were, had the band, you know, rock and roll. Jesus is the best, yeah. You know? Or whatever they were singing, I don't know. So his wife's sitting in the audience, and there's these girls sitting in front, and they're talking to each other during worship. And they turn around to Christine and say, uh, we was just wondering, who's this Hosanna lady we're singing about? Who's this Hosanna lady? Hosanna in the highest. Yeah, who's that? You know, we think, like, if I understand it, yeah, everybody should understand. Yeah. Yeah, you know, glory to God. Yeah, everybody get, you should know what that means, right? Probably majority of people have no idea. They don't know what's going on. So... So we're continuing from two years ago in Acts chapter, 7, Acts chapter 17, uh, verse 16. And while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. <gasps> oh, my gosh, it's full of idols. So he reasoned in a synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks in a marketplace day by day. He was around there for a while talking. Now, listen to this. This is what I want to share about. Verse 18, a group of philosophers began to debate with him. Now listen to what some of them asked. They said, 
what is this babbler, babbler trying to say? You know what? I, hey, have you ever been talking to somebody and you're thinking in your mind, in your mind, you're thinking, man, they're just babbling. Hmm? Yeah, yeah, look, he said, that's right, brother. That's right. I've been there. What, what does it mean to babble? On and on. Blah, 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 So, okay, so here's Paul talking to these people, and they're thinking to themselves, what is this trying to say? Yeah. Others said he seems to be advocating or talking about foreign gods, plural. He's babbling away. Most people don't understand, and some people that get some of it are saying, he seems to be talking about some other foreign gods, plural. And why did they do this? Because. Look, it says because. So the, here's the reason why. Because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus Christ. <gasps> what? <laughs> because Paul was preaching the good news, they had no idea what he was talking about. So it's like, you know, Paul was up there and said, Hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. He, and then Jesus, and then Jesus said, and then there's, you know, there's multiple gods, Jesus and other gods. That's literally what people are getting. Because Jesus was preaching the good news. Have you ever shared the gospel with anybody? Have you ever had anybody like totally come up with something different than what you were saying? Huh? It's not unusual. It happens all the time. Now, if you were here two years ago, you would have heard me say this. The gospel is not communicated until it's understood. The gospel is not communicated until it's understood. Now, here's the question. Whose responsibility is it for the gospel to be understood? Is it the person listening or is it mine? Because that gives us a whole different perspective on it. Whose responsibility is it for those girls to understand who in the world Hosanna is? Y'all should know that. I ain't telling you nothing. Y'all in church, you should understand it. Maybe we shouldn't use Hosanna anymore with this new crowd of people coming in. Hmm? Why use a whole bunch of stuff that we have to give definitions to now? That's the thing. This is the thing that we talk about is why present the gospel in a way where we have to define everything we're talking about? Hmm? Why not share the gospel in a way that they can actually understand it if we tell them? We just don't use a bunch of funny lingo languages that only a small group of people get that aren't out there. Well, I don't know. (laughs) Some Christians are, well, whatever. Some people think I'm one of those. So he said he didn't understand. He didn't understand. The the people thought he was just babbling away. Hmm? So uh, about 10 years ago in, in Bangkok, there was a group that did a, a, a research on, on Buddhist people and their understanding of the gospel. So 
they, they polled a lot. It was over a thousand people who had known Christians for at least three years and had heard the gospel at least three times. One of the questions they asked, do you understand the gospel? 89% of the people said, we have no idea what they're talking about. Zero. See, the thing is, whose responsibility is it? Is it theirs? Oh, your fault. You should have understood me when I told you Jesus saves. What's that mean? They have no idea. You know, in, in Madras, India, uh, 15 or, man, I'm getting old. I forgot how long ago it was. No. There was a, there was a summer outreach with college students from all over the West. They came and they were doing this summer outreach thing. So they were telling, you know, they were doing all these different styles from all these different churches, you know, somewhere on the street corner. You need to know about Jesus. And most people didn't understand because they didn't understand English. That's <laughs> one thing. So two passing out four spiritual laws, tracks, which they have no idea what that is either. It's fine. It's, you know, it's okay, but yeah. So a group of students got together at, at night, and they said, we're going to go do something big for the Lord. And they went out, yes, with that accent, because they weren't from South Louisiana. So they went, and they, on this main overpass in town, they wrote, Jesus is the answer. And paint, spray paint, Jesus is the answer. It made it on the front page of the national newspaper. A big picture, Jesus is the answer. The headline was, what is the question? <laughs> yeah. Great question. It even said, is it some mathematical equation? What is this? It's some Christian thing, but we have no idea what they're talking about. Mm. How many people leave church or, or leave our presence and wonder, what in the world are we doing? What are they talking about? What is going on? It's true. And, and I'm not talking, just, just take this and put it overseas. And then see how difficult it could be. Huh? Uh, we were in, I had a, me and a buddy were doing a workshop on communication to animist and Buddhist peoples. And we were up north in Thailand, almost close to the border. <clears throat> and uh, so we had some people that asked us to go talk to this young couple that got saved six months before. And they said, come talk, come talk to these people because they won't go to church. They love Jesus. They like the Bible, but they won't go to church. And they said, y'all come talk to them. We said, sure. So we went, and they had this groovy coffee shop. They were like hip young people. So we go into their coffee shop, and we sit down. And, they, and so I'm sitting here. I can see the kitchen where there's northern Thai people working. My buddy's sitting here, and then this young couple. Now, my buddy speaks northern Thai dialect, which is very unusual for a foreigner. But he does. he's a Samoan young guy. So he goes into this northern Thai dialect, and they're like, you know, they just don't see foreigners speaking that. 
So they were really happy. Then he gets to the point and he says, so uh, I hear you don't uh, go to, like going to church. And the guy was like, well, yeah, we don't like going there. And he said, what's the problem? And he said, eh, well, it's all, and he's, in Thai, he said, farang piti. That don't mean anything to us. We don't know what it is. It means foreigner rituals. Foreigner rituals. Now, to understand the mind of a Buddhist or animist person, their life is based on rituals, things that you do consistently. And the way they look at us through their worldview is us doing our rituals. Do you know that we're doing rituals right now? Every Sunday, 10 o'clock, here. Sit in rows, there. Piano starts playing. You know what I mean? Every Sunday, same time, same place, same people, bam, bam, bam. Happens all the time. It's a ritual. He said you have all these foreigner rituals. I don't want to go to no foreigner ritual. And so he, asked, he said, well, like what? What's a foreigner ritual? He said, well, you go to this funny Western building. It looks like something off a of TV from, from America. Why do I want to go? That's not spiritual. That has nothing to do with spiritual stuff. Why do I want to go to a building like that? He said, okay, what else? Well, you go in, and everybody's sitting on benches in rows. He said, that's a weird ritual. Why do y'all do that? That is so weird. Yeah, that is weird. Okay. What else? Then there's a guy on a piano and a guy on a guitar, and they're playing like this rock and roll music. Because in their mind, that's what it is. They have no, only thing, all this like Hillsong and stuff, they just know that from secular, that, they think that's what it is. You're playing like rock and roll. What's that got to do with spirituality? I don't know. Sounds weird. I don't want anything to do with it. Okay, what else? Then everybody stands up, and they're all facing forward like this. <laughs> and then there's a person standing in front of them, and they're all singing the same song together. Lord, I love you, and you're the best. You know? And he's like, what is that? What is that supposed to be? Huh? Then he said, then the weirdest ritual, some of the people put their hands up in the air like this. Like they're looking, and this guy's facing them, and then he puts his hands up, and they put their hands up facing each other. <laughs> or they're like sharing some type of energy force. <laughs> you have to look at stuff through the mind of the heathen. Okay. <laughs> Not through what I think is groovy and cool or what I'm, you know. Yeah, in Thailand, the, is, Thailand, the country of Thailand has been open to the gospel for almost 200 years. The gospel has been preached there openly for almost 200 years. Guess how many Christians they have? Less than 1%. You wonder why? They think we're crazy. So, so he said, okay. Then he asked the most important question. He said, aren't there Thai rituals for following Jesus? 
He said, if there was, I would go to church every day. Which is, that's their cultural norm, to do spiritual things every day. And literally, they would go to church every day. You would have to get used to them. And he said, and I would bring all my friends. They're trying to get me to come to this church that's weird and bring all my friends. And he said, I'm not going to bring my friends to something I hate. He said, but there were, if there was Thai, if it was Thai, I would go and I would bring everybody I know. Because Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Hmm. So, my, I've, so this young Samoan guy, I, had, I have been working with him on how to begin to cross that barrier by changing himself to become more like the people. So he had been learning how to pray in a Thai way. That people who become Christians usually start praying like we do. Thank you, Lord Jesus, uh, for everything today. Amen. Yeah. That, 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 but they don't know what that is. You pray f- like that with somebody, and they'll just look around and pick their teeth because they have no idea what you're doing. So he, my friend, he had been learning. So he said, can I pray with you? And they were like, oh, yeah, sure, because they're ready for this strange thing to take place. But then he does something like this. He says, Kapkunka. Sing sat sit hansa konalo, which sounds like that. We'd be like, that's weird. <laughs> These people, they went like this. And I was sitting looking in the kitchen, and all these northern Thai workers, they don't know anything about Jesus, but they heard this sound and they all ran. Literally, they dropped what they were doing and they ran and fell on their knees like that because they knew something important spiritually was taking place. After he finished praying, the guy looked at my friend and said, yeah, like that. That's our stuff. That's not that weird Western things. If we had a church like that, I would go to it and I'd bring everybody. We wonder why it's difficult. I mean, honestly, like I told Crispin, Crispin said, what are you going to talk about? I said, I'm going to talk about the devil. <laughs> And I didn't tell. I said, I'm going to talk about something I could probably only talk about in your church usually. (laughs) Not too many places I could actually talk this openly. (laughs) You know, honestly, because we get so connected to our Christian culture is as if Christian culture itself has become sanctified and holy. The way that we do a certain thing. Is the holy thing now. And if you don't do it that way, it's not a holy thing. What you're doing. We actually begin to build the barrier to the people that we want to reach out to. We build it ourselves. Brick by brick. Ritual by ritual. Christian ritual by Christian ritual. Here it goes. Let me see how thick and big I can make this wall so that none of those heathens can come in with me. And that's not our heart. It's not our heart. But this is what happens. And it's a bummer. I know I've been there. If you could just hear the stories, 
about what I did and how I kept everybody away from the gospel. So, last thing. Maybe. Maybe. Where's the Bible? Oh, here's the Bible. Okay. First uh, Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. And see, Paul, there's so many things in the New Testament about this, but we usually don't see it we, because it's, it doesn't affect us. But when I started working with Hindu people and started seeing how much they were rejecting me and the gospel, and I finally figured out it was, they were rejecting the gospel because of me, that I saw that Paul had done all these things to change. And I finally began to understand this section of scripture that we've heard about so many times. Verse 19, though I am free, Paul always talks about how he's free. I am free, free, free. I can do whatever I want to do and how I want to do it. If I want to get on the stage and play a guitar, good. I can do it. It's fine. God's cool. He's okay. He don't mind. He loves it. He likes guitar playing. I'm glad I like to play the guitar. He says, I am free, but he said, I have made myself, here's a choice, to be a slave to everyone to win as many people as possible. I choose to change. I choose to give up some of my freedoms, even some of my cultural freedoms, so that I can see the heathens come into a relationship with the God who created them. So, the first one, to the Jew, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. And I was like, finally it hit me recently. I was like, wait a second. He was a Jew. He was a Pharisee. What, why is he having to become like a Jew? Huh? He was a top-notch Jew. But for some reason, he did something that made himself not look like a Jew anymore. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. There we go. Now, verse 21, and I think this says what happened. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. I'm not free from God's law, which is love. So that I could win those not under the law. Those that weren't under the law, guess who they were? They were idol worshipers. You can literally translate this as... I became like idol worshipers to win idol worshipers. Woo, that's weird. But that's literally what it means. Those not under the law were idol worshipers. I became like idol worshipers to win idol worshipers. You wondering why he had to become like a Jew again? Acts 14, when Paul went back to Jerusalem and the apostles told him, said, these people won't accept you. The Jews and the Jewish Christians won't accept you because they think you left Judaism. Why? Because he became like the heathen to win the heathen. He started looking like heathen. He started praying like the heathens. I don't know what he did, but whatever he did, he did it so much that the Christians didn't think he was a Christian anymore. Huh? What would you have to do to win people to Jesus to where the Christian community might not even think that you're a Christian anymore? That's where Paul was. Hmm? 
he didn't look like the regular people anymore. But thank God he did it because we are a product of his perseverance. We are. Hmm. But the problem is, is that our product becomes repackaged into a Christian culture again. And then it begins to build a barrier. And then we need even more innovators like Paul to say, I will go out and I will have people look weird at me. For the sake of the gospel. Even though I'm free, I don't have to do this. And it's fine. It is fine. There's no pressure at all. Zero. But if somebody chooses to do it, go for it, man. Because you're free, just like Paul. To win the people. To those not under the law, I became like what? Not under the law. Then it says, to the weak, I became weak. To all people, I become all things so that I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel. I reach out to people in a way that they understand. In a way that I can personally be the message myself. I reach out in a way that the people can comprehend in their own worldview. There are tons of people like that here in the United States of America, even on this street, that have no idea what Christian stuff's all about. They don't understand the language. They can turn on the TV programs and they're like, what the heck are they talking about? What's all this under the glory? And the, I mean, it's cool. We can use it. We're free. It, mean, it, it has a definition to us, and it's fine. I use words like that. I have a definition in my heart. It's great. But if I'm going to reach out to Leroy down the street, I might need to be careful what I do because he will not understand the gospel until I make it understandable to him. Hmm? This is the message that we bring into this part of Asia. Not just the message, but we bring the nuts and bolts. We actually process with people about different people groups and their worldview how can we make these people understand the good news? How can we do this? And we work through it together. So, last thing. I was in Taiwan recently. They're Buddhist Taoists. They're like animist Buddhists. They, they're like most Buddhists. They're not really Buddhists. They're kind of Buddhists. Most Buddhists aren't really Buddhists. Most of them are afraid of gods, and they do all kinds of things to try to appease the gods. So they're like that in Taiwan. <clears throat> so I was working with a group for a week processing this stuff. And they, they said, hey, we got this group of people that we, we, friends we hang out with, some of them up to two years, and we feel like they don't understand. And I was like, well, let's go. So I got to go hang out with them. We're sitting at this big round table at a coffee shop. And there was a girl, 26 years old. She was a bank teller. She was sitting right here next to me, and she had a little Bible. She had it for a year, but uh, the people I was with, they said, yeah, she, don't, she just won't make the thing and jump over to being a Christian. It's like, okay. <clears throat> so we're talking, and I start talking to her using the principles I find in the Bible to pull out what, how she views the world. And then after a while of talking, I retranslate the gospel in a way that's in her worldview. And in 20 minutes, she's crying. And she says, I've been trying to understand Jesus for two years. 
Now I get it. Now I get it. You see? It's, it's, not, it's not that difficult. But the, but the burden's on me to communicate. It's on me, not on them. It's on me. So I carry that. And it's the same thing here. There's people here that they just don't know. They don't know. And they don't even get it. A lot of times we think that they just don't care. Oh, they're rejecting Jesus. No, they just don't get it. Even at I've had so many, even Thai Christians say, oh, these people, they just don't care. They don't care about prayer or anything. But it's, it's not true. They care a lot. They just don't get what we do. It just looks way too weird to them, you know? So as cool as is that we have an opportunity from being whatever we want to be, doing whatever we want to do that we feel good doing, to as extreme as we pretty much want to get if we follow Paul's pattern. We could follow Paul all the way to the point where our whole congregation might think that we're not a Christian anymore. If you want to be like Paul, there you go. You can do that. That's what happened to him. Or we could do, we're free. That's the thing that Paul said. We are free. Anything in between. We're free to do. I can be as holy, holy, and as hallelujah, glory to God as I want. And it's fine. It's absolutely fine. People are free to do that. It's okay. Or you could dress up weird like me. And go sit in a temple if you want. Like Paul did. If you look in Corinthians, you'll see that that's what they were doing. Sit in a temple with Hindu people or Buddhists or whatever. And spend time with them and share the gospel and look like them and eat their strange foods. Do whatever. Christians might think, uh, I've had it happen to me here in the United States. Before we left the last time to go to Thailand, I was in Dallas. And people were questioning me. Why? Because I was always at the mosque. What you doing over there with all them Muslim people? Trying to share the gospel. Well, why are you over there all the time? Because it takes a lot of work. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> I literally, I had people, I lost, we lost support from a church because of my continual connection with the heathens. Come on now, what's the problem with that? Huh? That's okay. It's okay. See, everybody's free. It's all right. This is God's call on us to walk out what he has for us, whatever it is on that gauge, and it's fine. Hmm? So when you see, like, Crispin, you know, when he's out juke jointing with the band, some people look down on that, right? Don't they? Guess what? Christmas still loves God with all his heart. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, you guys, thank you so much. I mean, I, I really do look at it, at what we do is like a partnership together. And see, you're doing things you don't even know what you're doing. That's the thing. You know, you have no you Now you might be saying, well, I don't know if I want to do that. And you're free. That's fine. You don't have to. I don't know if I want to be a part of their ministry because they're doing weird things. 
They dress weird. <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. But, you know, I just really appreciate this stuff because, you know, when we do things together, we, we reap the rewards together. You know, and since we're connected, I reap you, what you guys do and you reap what we do. That's just the Bible stuff. That's the way it works in God's kingdom. So I just want to say I really appreciate you guys, you know, and how you stand up for God and that you work with people like us overseas. Really appreciate it. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for the opportunity to love you in, in so many diverse ways and so many diverse cultures, even here in South Louisiana and all the diverse cultures that are here. God, we bless you. We just know that you're awesome. And we take these opportunities and we run with them, God. Now just pray a blessing on this church and uh, for being a part with us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks, dudes. Scotty. Well, Scotty and Heather will be here hanging out a little bit. So if you want to talk to them, ask them any questions. Um, do that, um, and if you've got kids back in children's ministry, go pick them up really quick. Cause we went a little long today, so um, I know it's 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 a timeless place here. And if you'd like to stick around and get some prayer, we'll have our prayer team up here. Uh, just come up to the front. Talk to you guys later. God bless.